Welcome to Plain Talk. Plain Talk has over 100 podcasts containing up-to-date information about aviation technologies and pilot experiences for general and business aviation. From home to cockpit to boardroom to personal tech, Plain Talk provides informative information for pilots, industry insiders, and aviation enthusiasts alike. My name is Phil Lightstone. I'm a general aviation pilot with over 2,100 hours in my logbook, flying almost every week with over 30 years experience in the technology and aviation industries. Well, we're here, uh, Plane Talk uh, at Sun and Fun 2023, welcoming Dr. James Runnels into the Plane Talk cockpit inside the Ithra Health Technology booth, as I said, at Sun and Fun. Uh, can I call you Doctor or James or? Call, call me James, and I want to congratulate you on getting the pronunciation right. It's a little bit of an unusual name, but it's pronounced Ithra, and it's actually the feminine version of ether. I think from Greek mythology. That's where uh, the name comes from. Interesting. I've been following the company since 2018 when I bumped into them at the Innovation Center at AirVenture, and I thought, wow, some very cool integrated biometric technology to help us as pilots understand our physiological, that's a hard word to say early in the morning, conditions at altitude. And I'm curious how you got involved with uh, with these fine folks. Well, uh, it's, so it's great to talk to you, Phil. It's nice to see you again, and thanks for letting me uh, jabber for a little bit. So, all right, so just a little background. Uh, I'm an internal medicine doctor by training in the first part of my career. Um, but I always enjoyed the emergency department, worked there on the side, and eventually I switched over, and I, I'm an emergency medicine guy full-time now and have been for more years than I'd like to admit to. Um, and as such, you know, I deal with carbon monoxide, I deal with oxygen. I've actually been certified in uh, hyperbaric chambers, what people would call a dive chamber. Uh, and we use that in southern Louisiana uh, Primarily in the winter when or when a hurricane hits and somebody does something wrong with a portable generator and people come in with carbon monoxide poison. So I'm, I'm, you know, and then there's also dive medicine off the Gulf. But anyway, so the point is we've always been aware that carbon monoxide is a, a hazard in light general aviation um, and under-recognized and under-detected because there weren't really very good technologies available to give you real-time feedback. And then on top of that, I'm also very sensitive to oxygen issues because I kind of deal with oxygen all the time in my regular day job. Um, and so I know that your brain doesn't work as well when your oxygen levels drop. So these are kind of the starting points where as I was starting my flying training myself at age 49, I guess, um, I, I went into it knowing that I wanted to do a little better than what was normal at the time. And I seem to recall you owning a Mooney. I do. So um, so my early training, uh, pretty typical 172, 150. Uh, when I started to do my instrument and commercial, uh, I moved to uh, also training in a Mooney. Uh, eventually got my twin as well. But um, 
in the Mooney, uh, this particular Mooney, I had a good couple hundred hour or more hours in it. And just as life happens, then a little while later, I became the owner of this exact same plane, but the engine had timed out and it needed a lot of work. It had had a lot of, uh, a lot of miles on it. So I became its owner and I started a rehab process engine and interior and plastics and insulation and panel and I mean uh, people listening to this podcast will understand what I'm talking about so long kajing, kajing, kajing. yeah 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 um, but anyway so but I still have that Mooney and um, that's actually really where my involvement in this particular set of technology in this particular company starts I think as you as you highlighted um, carbon monoxide poisoning is something that comes along very slowly when we're at altitude you really don't understand your cognitive skills are declining gets a little get behind the curve a little too late to start thinking hmm am I not well where should I land how do I protect my passengers and what are some of the long-term effects all right so you did a very good job of describing that and, and what you've just described is actually basically the same for hypoxia because of an altitude problem or carbon monoxide poisoning which is a form of hypoxia so real quick uh, detour on this a uh, little bit of medical physiology so what carbon monoxide and again people people say co2 it, we're not talking about carbon dioxide we're talking about co which is carbon monoxide uh, carbon monoxide is a normal byproduct of any combustion. So if you burn wood, you burn gasoline, you burn diesel, um, it is mostly water and carbon dioxide that comes out the tailpipe, but you get some carbon monoxide. And if for whatever reason your combustion is incomplete, in other words, you have more fuel than oxygen, then that tends to produce more carbon monoxide relative to if you had uh, more oxygen than fuel. So you, you, pilots will understand a rich versus a lean mixture. If you have a very rich mixture, by definition, you're making more carbon monoxide. Okay. So the way that, I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, the, the way We're smiling for the camera. Oh boy, here we go. So the way that, um, the way that uh, carbon monoxide works is, is insidious, all right? Um, you can smell exhaust fumes. You can smell campfire smoke. You know the difference between standing behind a diesel truck and a gasoline truck you know the smell of airplane exhaust we all know these smells but you are not smelling carbon monoxide and you're fooling yourself if you think that i'm going to detect the, the the familiar smells and that will warn me about carbon monoxide because that's not how it works if you're smelling enough exhaust that you're registering hey that smells like exhaust then you're going to do something about that but but there's no way you're flying like that for for you know minutes and hours you you know you've got a problem but that's not the point the carbon monoxide will build up slowly and gradually over time with a very tiny leak to the carbon monoxide itself is odorless you don't register the other components of exhaust which is where the poisoning is usually coming from and what carbon monoxide does here's the medical physiology part uh, it binds to your hemoglobin all right hemoglobin is the molecule in your blood that makes the red blood cells red and it's the molecule that binds to oxygen to deliver it from your lungs out to your tissues. All right? So you can have all the oxygen in the world dissolved into your liquid component of blood, but that doesn't do you any good. Your, your tissues can't use that. They have to be handed the oxygen by a red blood cell hemoglobin molecule. So you have to oxygenate the hemoglobin in your lungs 
circulated around to your big toe or your brain or whatever, and then those cells remove the oxygen from the hemoglobin molecule. That's how physiology works. So here's where carbon monoxide does a dirty trick. It binds to the exact same place on the hemoglobin molecule that oxygen does, and it does it better. It's, I forget offhand, but it's 80 or 90 times as strong or something like that. Anyway, it, it binds way tighter than the oxygen, and it doesn't want to let go. And so when you get a carbon monoxide molecule that binds to a hemoglobin molecule, it's there for hours. And so you can't blow it off any faster unless you get into a hyperbaric chamber or a dive tank. So, um, but even breathing oxygen won't, won't knock it off. You have to, it, it has to be timed. So, but, so it, even a low level can bind and accumulate slowly and gradually. And that's how it'll get you if you have an exhaust leak. The typical would be under your heat shroud, the muffler, you know, where you're, you're heating your air for your cabin heat. You can have a tiny crack in there. You can have one, one little place on a well that's got a little almost microscopic crack, and that can be enough to seep a little bit of carbon monoxide in your cabin. And you can fly with that for months or years and never know about it. But you take a really long cross-country one day, maybe at a higher altitude, maybe the leak got a little bit worse because you had a hard landing the last time, and now all of a sudden your carbon monoxide levels are high enough that you start to build it up, accumulate, and then you start to get the poisoning effects. What an interesting personal uh, story coming back last uh, summer from Air Venture and my friend's 172RG. I pulled out uh, my Ithra Shield, portable device, absolutely dynamite. Pulled it out, turned it on, started to look at the app, turned to my friend, uh, and I don't want to say his name because he listens to the show, and uh, said, dude, we're like over 50 parts per million. This isn't good. And he went, oh, crap. That's a technical term. Uh, a few days later, we got back to Toronto. He ordered his own uh, shield, mounted it to the aircraft for his use and his partner's use, and then uh, had the conversation with his mechanics to start looking at where is this uh, CO uh, coming from. Historically, he had one of the little chemical cards, sure. which um, I think is, while they're cheap as borscht, they're a little problematic. Wow, look who just walked into the Plane Talk cockpit, Jim Rutler, co-founder of uh, Ithra Aviation, uh, joining uh, myself and the doctor. Welcome to the uh, Plane Talk cockpit. Jim. Thank you very much, Phil. I'm, I'm excited for you to be here and to talk about the health view. Uh, and a very cool piece of uh, technology. How about t uh, give the Plane Talk audience the uh, bird's eye view, excuse the pun, of uh, yeah. of the new tech. Yeah, the HealthView, we believe, is the world's first avionics system that is dedicated to biometrics and oxygen control. Uh, it features uh, both output of relevant biometric information for you and your passengers, as well as it closes the loop with oxygen control of that biometric information. And it's in a, a very compact form factor to, I suppose, uh, optimize panel real estate. Right. We, uh, we realize that panel spaces, modern panel spaces, are crowded. There's a lot of technology and we're competing for footprint. And um, we designed this to, to fit in almost any panel at just a couple inches in diameter while still maintaining the color and the touchscreen functionalities that I think are important for a modern avionics package. So what are some of the cool benefits of getting all this informatic information in, in front of you? Well, really, it, it, 
the essence is, and what, what we're all about here is flight safety. What it does is it allows you as a pilot to monitor how you're personally doing. We've all been able to monitor our engine performance as well as navigation information, but it has up till now been very challenging to monitor in real time how the pilot and the passengers are doing health-wise. And by health, I mean blood oxygen level, heart rate information, flow rate, how people are breathing. And that is really critical to maintaining a, a high degree of um, cognitive awareness and and thinking capacity, which are important in aviation. And it certainly uh, complements the uh, ITHRA uh, Aviation's existing uh, tech, including some very cool carbon fiber uh, O2 bottles, the oximetry technology that, uh, that you have, of course, the carbon monoxide uh, side of the, uh, of the world. I'm kind of curious, so with you guys rapidly building tech in a relatively short period of, of time. What's on the horizon? Oh, those are, oh, tough, this, this those is, are tough questions, Yeah, this Phil, is I mean, tell you but shoot you sort of territory. <laughs> I, I promise I won't tell us all. Well, well you got to understand that not only is Jim, you know, brilliant and creative and innovative and in engineering, you know, whatever, whatever, he's also a patent attorney. So he, he actually, you know, knows how to do this stuff and then, you know, take care of it. So, Jim, what, what do you tell him? Well, we, you know, let me just begin by saying that the health view is really um, a, the premier product for ITHRA. We have been working on the health view for seven years. The ecosystem of technology that we've come to uh, be known for, the pulse oximetry, the carbon monoxide, all of those are pillars of this uh, health view, which we had to begin with in order for the health view to operate. We need the data to provide the data. We need the oxygen system to be able to control the oxygen. The health view was and is what we've been working towards. While there can be improvements, it is uh, our premier product. It integrates everything that we've been doing. So it's hard to beat that moving forward. We do have a few uh, loose ends that we're going to be tightening up. Um, improved form factors, especially of the Illyrian. I could say that, that the Illyrian form factor, the wearable pulse oximeter, this is a brilliant product. It allows you to have continuous uh, monitoring of your blood oxygen level, even when you're not aware of the fact that you need to be monitoring. It is monitoring real time continuously during flight for hours and hours, and it will output the information that you need on blood oxygen level for you and your passengers. But the form factor has been, um, has been limiting, I think, um, in, the, in its adoption. We need to improve that, and that's something that we're going to be working really hard on in the next year. There's a comparison I'd like to make. Um, I have, I think, a little bit of an advantage or a benefit of timing just by accident. So I've, I knew I always wanted to fly my whole life, but I actually started my flight training when I, I think I said when I was 49 years old. So now eight, nine years ago, something like that. And that was just exactly when the tech was really getting good to, that we all just, we take it almost for granted right now. The iPads and, and the, the Garmin pilots and the Foreflights and the, the ADSB was really starting to get in there. And so over these last several years, look at, you know, Advanced and Dynon and, and, and you know, Aspen. Everybody's got really great situational awareness tech in their cockpit. We've got way better traffic. We've got way better kind of real-time navigation aids. The same is now true timing-wise. This is a good time to be in aviation in terms of biometrics and health and safety because, like, like we were talking about, when I started rehabbing this Mooney, 
well, I wasn't going to be okay with just the, the, the bad solutions that were out there. We needed good carbon monoxide. We needed good oxygen. We needed good feedback. We needed good monitoring. And uh, Jim has really done an amazing job of bringing those, he calls them pillars. I agree with that 100%. Bringing the basics to the market at a reasonable price point. So now we can actually have biometric health and safety data that is as good and as real-time as this navigation and situational awareness data that we've, we've all come to depend on. So this is a really great time. And, and there were some things that had to happen. Uh, Jim can talk about the details, but you had to get good, reliable, lower-cost carbon monoxide sensing technology. You had to get good, uh, very sensitive oxygen flow rate technology. There were a lot of, you had to get a good, small, touch-capable form factor screen. There were a lot of technology bits that had to come together, and they're, they're all coalescing right now. This is a great time. And then, of course, the FAA coming Ooh, out with Norsi. Here comes Norsi. That allows us to take inexpensive, ex exceptionally valuable tech and bolt it onto our certified airplanes. Ken, I want to try to... Um, talk about Norsi, and Jim will correct me if I make any mistakes, but I've found that people are starting to become aware of this, but not everybody is. I've, I've even talked to at least two or three AMPs who are not yet familiar. So Norsi, N-O-R-S-E-E, -E, all in caps, is Non-Required Safety Enhancing Equipment, and this is the FAA's way of saying, look, small companies cannot afford the classic old STC process for every product they want to bring to market. The experimental world is just dripping with innovation and cool cool tech that we'd love to get into our certificate airplanes. So under Norsi, if you make a good safety enhancing product that is not required by the type certificate, it doesn't replace or disable any of your primary controls or your primary required instruments, and it does something valuable and useful, then the FAA is not only are they happy to sign on to it, they will sign on to it quickly. So by the time Jim's ready to put a product on the market, he's already got the FAA approval. Yep, that's right. I mean, the, um, the HealthView is approved uh, currently for installation in all Part 23 aircraft, including pressurized aircraft like the TBM, the Pilatus, and the Piper Meridian, which is really exciting because there's features of monitoring blood oxygen level and cabin pressure, built-in barometric pressure sensor for the cabin pressure as a backup that are really critical for those aircraft. Yeah, I, I want to actually highlight that one again too. So when you think about a jet or a high-altitude turboprop, you know, anything that's pressurized, if we've, we've all heard of some of the, uh, the unrecognized loss of pressurization accidents that can happen. This is a standalone uh, built-in its own barometric pressure cabin altitude indicator to back up whatever else you're using for your pressurization monitoring. So it, it's got a really great uh, future in pressurized aircraft. So Jim, you mentioned the um, uh, Illyrium uh, tech and some of the some of the challenges. But you know, that being said, real-time SpO2 monitoring uh, you know gives you that additional early warning, and I'm. Uh, and you kind of highlighted some cool new changes coming, small, innovative company, uh, you know, with uh, a patent attorney uh, at, the, at the helm. Are we going to, to, to see some uh, licensing to our friends at Bose so that you slap your headset on and you're good to go talking to the uh, Ithra Connect app and life is good? Um, so Ithra is interested in collaborating with any vendor, any manufacturer that will enhance 
our technology, which means that make it easier to use, um, make it easier to adopt, improve the form factor, make it more comfortable. So we are open to working with um, with partners and collaborators, and we always have been. Um, we work with Advanced to output uh, the biometric information. We work with Dynon to output the biometric information. We work with a Sling Aircraft Company to install it. We work with Midwest Panel Builders to install it. We are a collaborative group of people, and um, and so if those opportunities present, uh, yeah, we, we're interested in doing that. Well, let, let me make one comment that. on that, too. This is not just for the pilot. This is for the pilot and everybody on the airplane. So the option systems are one place or two place or four place or six place. And we want biometrics, feedback, monitoring for everybody on the plane. So we anything we can do to help with the comfort factor for the passengers to get them in on the monitoring as well. They might not even be wearing a headset. But you know they, these are these are good good things. It's not just for the pilot. Super cool. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for being part of the Plane Talk cockpit. Any final words? Enjoy the show. We're having a great time here. The weather is brilliant. It really is. Um, the energy level of the show is very high. Um, we've been coming for just a few years to this particular show, and and uh, the crowd and the energy, the excitement is is uh, beyond what we've experienced before. So we're happy to be here. If you're not here, you should come on down and visit. And um, thank you very much for the interview, Phil. I appreciate all the time that you put into it. And and, and, and come see us at Oshkosh. Also, um, uh, I'm going to do the last little bit of medical plug. So one, one of the reasons why I'm here is I like to do the 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 public education of, come on, guys, the regs are not good enough for oxygen. We should pretty much all be on oxygen at an 8,000-foot density altitude daytime, probably at 5,000-foot density altitude nighttime, and we need better carbon monoxide for safety in the cabin. So pay more attention, whether it's us or somebody else, pay more attention to oxygen and carbon monoxide in small airplanes. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Plane Talk. If you have any ideas for a future Plane Talk episode, please go to the Contact Us page at plaintalk.ca and send in your idea. Don't forget to like us at plaintalk.ca, our Facebook and LinkedIn pages, and this podcast. And never stop living the dream.